0: That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, over by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio.
1: Hello, and welcome to Leading Edge Love Radio. This is your host, Summa T. Sparks, the open relationship coach, at SumatiSparks.com. Today, I'm really excited about our guest Ryan Oreck here to talk about all things open relationship and uh, Ryan describes himself as a daydreamer who looks at the way things are and imagines how they could be for himself, his community, and the wider world. He's made every mistake you can imagine in relating and has had to create maps to help him connect to others. He's really happy and loves supporting others. In easier paths to success than he has had in their journeys of love, intimacy, relating, and sexuality. So I'm really excited to have Ryan on the show today. Welcome, Ryan.
0: Thank you, Sumati. It's an honor to be here. I appreciate the invitation. Of course.
1: So Ryan, I, I wanted you to be on the show because I was really interested in your story around um, I believe you came from a Mormon background and you know, very religious and very opposite from your lifestyle now. So I wanted to hear a little bit about the journey and how you came to be somebody who practices ethical non-monogamy and how you help other people in their alternative relationship styles. So maybe you could just kind of start at the beginning and we can go on a journey with your life and I'll ask you questions along the way. How does that sound?
0: Sounds great.
1: Okay, cool. So tell me about your background (laughs) and your upbringing.
0: I love that you called me a Mormon good boy because I forget about that. It seems it's almost receded so far into the distance by this point that I don't realize where I've come from. And every time I tell my story, people say, you were that and you got to this. And then I have to pinch myself and say, oh, yeah, that was me back then. Um, <laughs> so I, I, I forget it. And I appreciate you for reminding me because it, it was a heck of a journey. And um, as, as far as relationships goes and alternatives and ideas that go beyond what we know nowadays, I think I was always into people. I was always very into women when I was a little boy. I was very interested in girls, and my mom said I had a girlfriend from like first grade onwards. And and mm-hmm. what perhaps came out, or, or I didn't know until later, was in high school, um, I found this world of women. I found this world of connection, and I was kind of in love with everybody. And so I had this little stack of letters by my nightstand that I just called my love letters, and they were just from from a dozen or more girls, and every night I would write another love letter and mail it off back, and we used to have paper and mail things right and And then they would come back in, and I would just be sort of uh playing the divine poet with multiple ladies at once, and that felt like the most natural thing in the world for me, right. Wow. <laughs> and as I kept going with that, I was in a very strict LDS, Mormon upbringing, strict in terms of uh, 14 before I was allowed to dance, 16 before I was allowed to date, and, and then only casually. And um, even though Mormonism has this, this famous history, which you know we can get into that if you want, but that wasn't the branch I was in or the mainstream. Now, now it was very much about, Um, celibacy before marriage, um, getting married in the sacred temple that they have and being together forever, and that was was kind of how it worked, and that was the only model I had. Mm -hmm. So if I fast forward a little bit to when I was on my mission, I started working with a lot of people. So the mission is the Mormon experience where you're 19. I was sent to Germany, so I was living in Germany, learning German, and I was looking at how the church was working there, how the relationships were working there, and I heard the statistic that there were three single Mormon active women in the church for every one man. And, wow. and basically, the response to the ch- yeah, uh, yeah, and the response to the church from that was, you know, if you're righteous, you know, in the next life when you go to heaven, you may be able to have love and connection and get married because the Mormons believed in Marriage after life as well, right, but right. I thought, and just to interrupt
1: really you uh, just to, just to interrupt you for a second, uh, I know Mormons often have the reputation of practicing polygamy, but that's just a small sect. So where you were in Germany, that was not the case. Is that correct?
0: Yeah, right, so there was, there was none of that going on, but it's in the dark prehistory of the church, a hundred years ago, that was normal in the mainstream, or a hundred and twenty years ago. And so I started thinking, I started connecting dots. I started thinking, well, you know, back then, God said, because that was the belief, they can marry multiple wives. And now there's all these excess women, so to speak. I was trying to figure out how to put together a map of open relating or something that worked for me based on the only model I had, which was the history of my religion, if that makes sense. Right. Yeah. So from there, um, I was thinking about that, I was wondering about that, there was no real way to implement that. And so I found, uh, I was 21, I was a virgin. I was sort of connected to platonically several women but I started to get closer to one particularly. And uh, for a number of reasons, um, we got engaged and then we got married. And right when we got engaged, I felt like it was wrong to even, you know, write emails to or have lunch with or meet with any other women. I had this attitude of, you know, we have to avoid temptation. We have to be good and keep the commandments as I understood them. And so at that point, I cut off relationships with everyone else or, or they mm-hmm. did too because it wasn't seeming right. To be able to do that, but when I did that, I felt like a part of me died. I felt like something mm. wasn't true enough for myself. Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah, so I'm hearing that even that, from. Your, go ahead. Mm-hmm. I'm hearing that, and yeah, I'm hearing that even from a young age as a child, you had lots of girlfriends, and then you were trying to figure out a way to uh, include all these excess women in your church, and then when you tried to be a quote good boy and follow the rules, it just felt like it didn't resonate with who you were from the beginning.
0: Yeah, and but I had no map. I had no instructions. I didn't know what to do. And, and um, add to that the fact that my wife and I had really no, uh, very poor communication, poor understanding of sexuality. Um, I got married as a virgin uh, we had no idea what was going on, and the only people that I felt like it was appropriate to talk to was my local religious leader, who happened to be, be my brother-in-law, so I sure as heck wasn't doing that. So basically, there was a lot of suffering in silence on a, a sexual level after that.
1: Mm.
0: Mm-hmm. Right. And so, so then how long? I... Sorry, yeah, go, go ahead. ahead.
1: I was just going to say, how long did you end up staying married to this person?
0: uh, Our divorce was finalized one day before what would have been our 10th anniversary. Oh, well, you hung in there for a while. (laughs) I did. And for years, we were a sexless marriage. It was it was like living brother and sister. She would take care of the home. She she didn't work. She was at home cooking and cleaning, and that's what she wanted to do at the time, and I was out earning the money, and this we just kind of suffered in silence, which is sad to think about now.
1: Well, and that's what I hear from a lot of my clients who are in long-term marriages, where after 15, 20-plus years of being together, they – are more like best friends and uh the romance has died because they're trying to follow this programming this this rule that they learned that you can only be with one person and it means all these things if you're not and so it it sounds like you had that experience really young and got that out of the way <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, and and it was years of just thinking this is the way that it needs to be and there's no way to solve it and this is even God's will. And then one day I took a look at it all and thought, well, this can't be it. This can't be all there is for life and me and my experiences and my connections. I need to find something else. And so I ended up leaving that entire community.
1: And leaving the church?
0: Yeah, I left the church. It was one of the biggest most dramatic experiences of my life imagine losing 90% of your friends or 99% of them um overnight um all of a sudden you wow. have no map for your existence um it was it was really traumatic it was really difficult and i understand why people don't want to do it or you know or find themselves unable to do it in in the situation that i was in
1: it really has to get bad enough for you to go off on your own like that with no map.
0: <laughs> yeah, you, you have to risk, I guess, number one is going to hell was the first thing that was going through my mind. What if they are right and I, and I should be listening to this group for my instruction? And then you kind of have to deal with that. And then you have to deal with now, I, I, I feel like an Amish person almost, different, different group, but like I, I haven't been in the real world. Now what happens?
1: Right, and so have you ever thought about that it, it kind of feels similar to a cult survivor?
0: <laughs> I, I mean, I personally would say people people don't like this, maybe some people, but I would say Mormonism is a rather gentle cult. But, yeah, I would put it exactly uh-huh. in that category.
1: Because I'm sure there was a lot of pressure for you to
0: stay. Tremendous. Well, the, the one problem was, one issue was I had – quickly risen the ranks in the mormon church they have a lot of lay leadership and i was in the position of a branch president or a bishop at the age of 24 till 27 which is very unusual to get that type of responsibility when you're so young i was in charge of 100 people and i was making the decisions about who would speak and who would fulfill what callings and then from that position um, I took a trip to America and then shortly after that I left. So when I left it was like a bomb dropping in the in the local church. Wow. Huh. Okay, well let's yeah. stay in chron- I'd
1: really love to hear about uh you know how it is now, but let's stay in some sort of chronological order here. So um so <laughs> what did you you came back to the United States after that?
0: Um, Not yet. After that, I was living in Dresden, Germany. One of the things I wanted to do that I didn't feel I was able to in my marriage was kind of explore the big wide world. So I moved from a city of 100,000 people to one of 200,000. Then I moved to a city of 500,000 and and just started exploring all the things that I wanted to do from um, uh, African djembe to looking at sex and relationships. And one day, and, and I was trying to find, uh, my theory was, I've never had any training about sexuality and relationships. I bet I could be better at that. And I don't know where to go for it. How do I find it? And is it appropriate ever to have a sexual, romantic, intimate connection with more than one person? So as I was looking for the answers to those questions, I uh, found the ZEG, the Center for Experimental Community which is uh, in Germany. It's in Berlin. It wasn't that far away from where I was. And they had an introductory workshop into ethical non-monogamy. And just as I was contemplating signing up for that, yeah, (laughs) just as I was signing up, contemplating signing up for that, I saw another ad, and it said, John Hawken, world-famous Tantra teacher, is in uh, Dresden for one weekend only for a special workshop. And it was the exact same weekend. And so in some ways that felt like uh, a bit of a crossroads. I could only do one of them. And, and I ended up going to this tantra workshop. And as soon as I stepped into this tantra workshop and started hearing the ideas, the first one was um, there's a masculine and a feminine principle. And the masculine is consciousness and the feminine is energy. And their dance is that which constitutes the universe. I felt like I was home.
1: Wow. I just feel like it was fate for you to find the Zeg community, which I love, and I'm really into the technology they created for uh, community connection called the Zeg Forum. I'm really involved in that here in Northern California, so I love hearing you say that, that you landed there. What year was that?
0: This was 2008.
1: Okay. And then you chose to go to this Tantra workshop and you were thinking about how to have multiple relationships, which most people wouldn't even be thinking about that because they would just feel like it wasn't even an option um, until they maybe met somebody who practiced it or read a book or something. And you were just thinking of it on your own, which points to the fact that you're kind of um, wired that way, would you say?
0: Yeah. Um, like, I, like I said, even when I was married, I never actually acted on it, but I would find myself falling in love. And I guess it'd be important to define, when we talk about polyamory, um, there's eros, there's agape, there's cilia, but, you know, there's emotional connection, there's sexual attraction, there's all different types of love. But I certainly was diving into various types of love in, in, from my perspective all the time with lots of people. And so these feelings would come up, and I would find in that structure I wasn't able to act on them. And once I let go of the entire upbringing that I had and said, okay, I'm starting from scratch. I get to do what I want more or less within our society. What would I like to do? The The concept that that was possible, it was, it was in fact, one of the things I think that that collapsed my marriage or one of the decisions that was, that mean, was the beginning of the end, was deciding, you know what, I would like to have three or four lovers. I think that would be awesome. How do I do that? And that was really, I remember where I was standing. I remember, like, the weather that day, standing in Jena, Germany, and making that decision, I want four people to love me. I want four lovers, four women. And then thinking, how do I do that? And, uh, and then seeing really quickly, well, that's not possible where you are now. And I feel like that decision led me down that path to start exploring these things.
1: Wow. Okay, so then you did the Tantra weekend, and then when did you first meet a new lover after your marriage? <laughs> um,
0: well, it was funny because after I left my marriage, um, I was clueless. I was incredibly, I'd never been to a bar or a single bar, never had alcohol, never drank coffee. I mean, I was, I was pretty, you know, pure and innocent as far as that all goes. And so um, I I, I thought, okay, now I'm free. Now what do I do? But then I said, wait a second, I have no idea about how to meet people outside of the church because every woman I've ever dated I've met at a church function or, you know, met her at church. So now what do I do? So what I did was, um, you may be familiar with the whole sort of pickup artist community. Yes. And and what I did was – yeah, I started studying, okay, how do you speak to women or in public or at, at, a, at a party? How do you invite them to spend time with you? How do you escalate? How do you kiss somebody? How do you invite someone to the bedroom? How does that all work? And I, and I seriously practiced all of that. I listened to dozens of DVDs and MP3s and CDs and read books. And, and I had that practice for about uh, I think it was around 18 months um, from the time I first started. And I also got a mentor, a friend of mine. He was just kind of a, a natural Captain Nova, an incredible guy. And, and the problem with a natural is they can't tell you what they're doing. But if you watch mm-hmm. them, you can see what makes them good at what they do. So mm-hmm. combined with these two things, it took me about 18 months to learn how to talk to women and to start having success after, after I uh, separated from my wife
1: so you really have a uh, strong desire to learn um, very eager to understand systems Um, so the pickup artist stuff kind of has a, a bad rep so were you learning about these kind of underhanded ways to trick women or do you feel like what you found was a little bit more had more integrity
0: um absolutely on the reputation and there's a lot of things in there that are kind of yeah less than classy uh, totally um but i didn't know where else to go i didn't know where else to find information and so i was into you know i was looking for everything i could and then i tried to i hope pick the things that were most reputable because it certainly wasn't my you know, I, I don't know how, how what the goals the other people have, but just having the goal to get a woman into bed becomes very shallow after you can do it a while. You realize there's more to go for. Right. Um, so, yeah, there's there's parts of it that, you know, are definitely not good. And there's parts of it that are just normal human relations, you know, how to have small talk mm-hmm. with someone, how to talk to someone. And I, I kind of needed needed a lot of even the basics of, sort of being human uh in terms of being out in the world and dating cuz I really didn't know.
1: Mhm. Okay, well thank you for that. That makes sense if that's what fell in your lap, you had to follow through with it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, you know, who offers you, you know, what well, clueless men learn how to talk to women. Now, the people who are marketing it well, those are the people that you see first. Or at least I did. I mean, this is almost a decade ago now, right? But um, but mm-hmm. yeah. So as soon as that started happening, I, I I got I got comfortable talking to women and even getting in bed with women. And it was right after that that I said, okay, I'm going to bed, but I have no idea what to do once I get there. Let's get some education. <laughs> and then I started tantra.
1: <laughs> I caught one. Now what do I do with
0: her? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, there has to be more. And that's when I started Tantra. And then that's where I started practicing on all sorts of levels.
1: Mm -hmm. Beautiful. And so then when did you actually get into a relationship with somebody else who was open to having a non-monogamous situation with you?
0: This is a fun and, and terribly tragic story, actually. Um, So that summer, the summer of 2008, once I sort of learned the the art of – actually, a lot of it's about confidence. Let's just call it being confident with women. So I had the confidence, and then I learned a few tantric skills. We're breathing. We're we're making love for a lot longer amounts of time. We're experiencing um, alternate states and special stuff is happening. But I, I went through a number of partners that summer, And at some point, I hit that wall where I thought, okay, it's not just about anybody, and it's not just about having more partners. I want something deeper. And so I remember talking to my guru at the time, and we were sitting at the table with his girlfriend, and and I said, why am I not finding the relationship that I want? Because I want something deeper. And and his uh, girlfriend said something about, well, when you love yourself, then that will work out. Other people will find you and love you. And that really dove in deep. I thought, okay, how am I not loving myself? And and then the next question was, what is loving myself? How would that even look? How would that work? And shortly after that I met a woman and we seemed to resonate quite strongly. And something in me felt like, no, don't go there, don't don't dive in with her. But I, I kinda went there because I was feeling something. And um we got into a deeper and deeper relationship and then we had a conversation. I said, well, you know, I'm, I'm into this being open and, and, and how would that be for you? And she was one of the first people who said, oh yeah, that's, that's no problem. And so with wow. her, um, I, I, yeah, I dove in deeper in the expectation that that would be, that we would be able to experiment and play in that level. Mm-hmm. And then how did that end up and I'll trage- just tragedy? Yeah. Go go yeah. <laughs> well, and and so what ha- what happened was for a lot of reasons um, we met and actually uh, <laughs> ended up getting married um, about two months later. And I saw that whole marriage as kind of a tantric experiment. I thought, well, if it doesn't work, it doesn't. We were in Vegas. My dad was in Vegas. We were. We were on vacation and we had, there was some tax stuff. It was kind of crazy. Anyway, so we, we dove into this relationship and I thought, okay, this is going to be a fun little experiment in a relationship. And, and as soon as we got married, this super confident 40 year old woman who'd never lived with a man before and was now my wife, all of a sudden, all of this fear and insecurity and all of this other stuff came out, or at least was evident to me. And, and all of this stuff started playing out immediately to the point where it, it basically fell apart uh, instantly, as, as far as I could tell, just through this legal action.
1: Yeah, that does happen a lot where when people get married, all these expectations come up because of that label and all of the projections from their family or their unmet needs from their parents. Um, some people say getting married is like living together but with appliances. But I don't think that's true. I think that when people get, get married, uh, all that stuff comes up. It's so, so often that happens. So how did you manage to work through that with her?
0: Well, I agree with you 100,000 percent, and that's something I talk about now. Is how our labels and cultural baggage affects what we do, even if we pretend to be to do it differently, or even if we have the intent to do things more consciously. Still, it all comes mm-hmm. with us, as well as the legal structures. Um, you know, when when you got married, at least when I got married, the, all of a sudden there was this. Gi- it's like there's this giant rock that your partner gets that they can hit you with threats. You know, I, I didn't have children with either uh, partner, so that was never an issue to be resolved. But but the financial things and the responsibilities connected to that, it, it all of a sudden gets very serious. What used to be playful and fun, and and there's a lot of places where you can fall down in it. At least that was my experience. Even if you're trying to do things differently. Mhm. Yeah. So anyway, um, we, we were together. We tried to get things working um, and tr- tried to get some resolution, but really it, it just seemed to go from bad to worse. She basically uh, wasn't, left, went back home. To, I was living in Vienna at the time. She went back to Dresden where she was from and, um, and then came back and basically said, I want to end this. And I said, well, I'd like to work on it. And, and she said, well, if you don't end this, um, you know, then she came up with some consequences that were legal and financial. And and I thought, okay, well, she's serious about this. And so the, the whole thing ended up lasting 13 months. And mm. the interesting thing that happened, yeah. And the interesting thing that ended up happening after is uh, because she had almost nowhere else to stay, we ended up living together for another I think it was almost a year that we were together in the same apartment having been exes. And yeah, that was, that was a a crazy experience that just, yeah, that I kind of got stuck into and taught me a lot, but was also incredibly painful. And that's kind of where the the tragedy comes, at least as far as my emotional state around it all. Mm -hmm.
1: Well, I want to ask you some of the lessons you learned about open relationship from that relationship. But before I do, I just want to say in case anyone's just joining us, you're listening to Leading Edge Love Radio, and this is your host, Sumati Sparks, the open relationship coach at SumatiSparks.com, and we're speaking with daydreamer and systems creator, Ryan Oreck, telling us his story going from (laughs) the Mormon church into somebody who lives an open relationship lifestyle and coaches other people as well. Um, So why don't you share with us some of the lessons you learned from that relationship, and you can also move a little faster forward and tell us about some of the lessons you learned from the relationships after that as well.
0: All right. Um, Yeah, and I love that you're talking about systems because that's been one way. I I feel like I'm a little bit autistic about all this, and so it's been useful for me to create systems to help myself understand relationships, and and then other people have found them useful as well. But, yeah, as far as lessons learned, the, the the one thing was when you talk to someone and they say, I'm into polyamory or open relating or I'm open for that, uh, it doesn't necessarily mean anything, which is why I mm. think the phrase, phrase polyamory or open relationship is not very useful because it's, it's another label. We talked about how marriage is perhaps a dangerous label, but using this label – um, what happened was we were talking to a counselor after some time trying to mediate and maybe stay together. And I said, well, when we were together, I mentioned, Hey, I'm interested in in perhaps connecting with other people. And you said you were okay with that. And her reply was, I meant I was okay with that, but I would leave. Which was <laughs> a lot different.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah which was a lot different explanation than I would be okay with that. Right. So here I was thinking I would communicated clearly and we created an agreement, but in reality we were still on completely separate pages. And yeah, so you that, have was, to de- that was define, something for yeah, me to-,
1: have to yeah, you kind of have to define the terms, don't you? Um, it makes me think of what Reed Mahalco talks about as dating your own species, like being, being in an open relationship can mean so many different things to people. You could just be a pure swinger or you could practice, um, you know, exclusive polyamory where you just have a triad or four people where they're only together and nobody from the outside comes in and everything in between. So it's important to start to really define the terms and the more communication, the
0: better. Right. Right. And, of course, I thought I had done that. I thought I would established it. She told me her history, and it sounded like, okay, well, she's she seems to be doing things as I wish I could do them. But, like I said, things changed either with the legal status or we hadn't talked enough, or obviously we didn't spend a ton of time together beforehand um, before actually diving into a deeper connection. And, um, yeah, these, these things become so important. And it's, it's really hard, it, even if someone – agrees or feels like they're the same species, until they're in the situation, they kind of don't know what they'll do, and you don't know what they'll do either. So there is always that element of risk, no matter what your theory is about what you think would be good.
1: Mm -hmm. And so what would would you recommend to people, what would you recommend to someone who they have a lot of conversation and they think that they both want to practice open relationship in the same way. But then when it comes down to it, let's say one person um, likes to have separate dyads and the other person likes to lean in and get really, maybe not necessarily sexual, but maybe wants to just feel like a loving family with their partners, other sweeties. Um, So when it comes down to it, there's subtle differences in, how they practice it what would you what advice would you give to people after they 're already in a committed relationship, and these types of things come up?
0: You know I, that's a great question, and I remember seeing something and i don 't it might even have been yeah somewhere on Facebook what I want someone to I want to find someone who I love dearly who will then leave me the heck alone mm-hmm. <laughs> so there's all of these maps. And all of these structures about how to do things. And 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 what I decided for myself after that was okay, I understand a lot about sex, or at least, you know, things were pretty amazing, things were having sexually, but I don't understand communication. So for me, the next step of the puzzle was to start looking into NBC, which ended up being a lifesaver. Can I can I go into that a little bit? I think that'll answer the question.
1: Yes, absolutely.
0: So what I found was NBC or nonviolent communication or compassionate communication. I listened to um, some podcasts. I was listening to podcasts at the time and I listened to one from Francesca Gentile and she was actually interviewing someone and he said, well, we have this thing called compassionate communication. And as soon as I found it, I immediately ran to my wife at that time and I said, look, this is how you're supposed to talk to me. And so... (laughs) You know for me, that's kind of a joke, but when you when you seriously find some new technique or something to improve, it's never about out there. it's never about someone else as long as you're trying to change them or change the outside, you're gonna have a real tough time um i've heard have another friend who calls that carpeting the world when you try to get other people to play by your rules and do the things that you want but for yeah, me and that's one of the ones, when I started to find, that's one of the great yeah, go ahead.
1: Sorry, that's one of the great things about NVC is that you can practice it even if the other person doesn't know the system.
0: Absolutely. And so what happened was when I finally figured out, oh, it's not about making someone else do things differently. It's about me figuring out what it was. I watched Marshall Rosenberg's three-hour-long training that I think he actually gave in San Francisco in like 2002 or something like that. That's on YouTube. I watched that at least once a week, every weekend for seven months. And then I was in a new relationship at that. Yeah, I was in a new relationship and we were we were sort of cautiously playing with polyamory. Again, there'd been there'd been some miscommunication and I'd done some things that had made her feel. Listen to this language. I made her feel certain things because of what I did. And she made me feel certain things because of what she did. And so we were having a lot of bumps. But after the seven-month immersion, trying to figure out what this was really about and trying to get what they call NBC consciousness down, which is different than just understanding the techniques but actually internalizing uh, a completely different way of being and thinking about people and relationships and love and connection, we got in the car to go to a workshop. Actually, she picked me up at the airport, and and we had a four-hour drive, and she was livid because of a way I had engaged with another person and I remember on that drive I you know my my traditional way would be to shut down to run away to get afraid to start blaming but I said okay I'm gonna practice this and so I said it sounds like you're really angry because you have a need to be safe and connect and that wasn't met and and then immediately she said yeah well no one's really paid me that attention always, and it just it just hurts when it happens. And I said, oh well, it sounds like you're sad. Your need to really be seen and understood hasn't been met. And she says, yeah, but really it makes me angry because this happened with the last guy too. And so, and what happened was we started unraveling or unwrapping this gift, this painful, not so fun gift when when it arrived. But of her emotions, and we ended up doing that for the entire drive, about three and a half hours. And what we found was under every single layer, there was another emotion and another need that had not been talked about. And the funny thing was, after three and a half hours of of me just basically learning to show empathy and showing empathy and her talking about her experience, all of a sudden the sun came out between us. All of a sudden there was no more rage. All of a sudden we just had this happy weekend together and for me that was the graduation saying okay I get this or at least I get I get this enough to apply this stuff in a relationship where the bombs are going off and this is super super powerful
1: beautiful what an amazing story and so this was really your first time using it after that intensive study for seven months
0: Yeah, I mean, I tried before, and, you know, whatever hadn't really worked, I hadn't really gotten it. It really took me about seven months before I could actually use it in a relationship, yeah. Incredible.
1: So (laughs) let's uh, fast forward a little bit to some um, later relationships where you maybe were able to practice some of the things you learned, but we're always all learning and we're always falling on our face as part of being human.
0: Um, so maybe you can
1: tell us some of, some of the more recent lessons you've learned from practicing open relationship.
0: Yeah, I, I like to tell people I've tried almost every constellation. So one thing that happened to me after that is I had three lovers at the same time knew about each other and basically i had regular schedules and we were doing the google calendar thing and and spending time with each of them and i had about um a seven month period where that was where that was going that was going really well and i found it really satisfying on a physical level but but the interesting thing is Um, When you look at NVC, and especially under NVC, there's something called the the Fundamental Human Needs, and it's done by Manfred max niece, and there's nine different needs, and I tell people when you get one bucket full, then the other bucket starts making noise, or it starts being, when it's empty, it it gets more attention, and so um, I started to see other needs that I wanted, so even though I was having this connection, I thought that there's something about community that I'm missing, there's something about belonging that's not here, and um, that led me on a search that took a few years, and this is getting now fairly recently, to, to study community. And I can talk a little bit about that if you'd like or, or not.
1: Uh, yeah, sure. But can you please repeat – well, first of all, um, for people that are interested, NVC or nonviolent communication was created by someone named Marshall Rosenberg. You can find that on YouTube – And then the underlying needs, I haven't heard of that. Can you repeat what that is and and the name of the person?
0: Yeah. When you do the teacher training for uh, nonviolent communication, and you can also find this in in some of the, I think there's a nine-hour video on YouTube where he talks about this, but Manfred Max Neith is his name. And he was an economist, I think, in Brazil, and he started to look at economy not in terms of GDP. He started to look in terms of, what are the needs that we're actually trying to get fulfilled by the economy? Um, He said someone who's barefoot doesn't care about GDP or is homeless. And so he started to look at things like love and belonging and connection and intimacy. And um, if you've, if you've learned NBC and, and I love Marshall Rosenberg and I love NBC, but the issue for me was it was, it took me that long to learn because it was like learning a new language. and, and, I feel like a lot of people give up on it or never really actually have it work for them because of the complexity. And and, and Marshall Rosenberg used to have, I think, a list of 50 or more needs. And um, that gets hard for people to remember. And when he found Manfred Max Neif, and I can, we can link to all this in show notes or you can find it on my, my webpage. Then he found, if you boil it down, you can get to basically nine different needs, which are similar to uh, Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Um, mm-hmm. it, and a lot of people have heard about that and, and then kind of figure out when you're, when you start to feel something, then, you know, is it hunger I'm feeling? Do I need nourishment? Is it loneliness? I'm feeling, do I need uh, connection and start to map it a little bit easier. So, and, and that's what I've used. What I've done myself is the system that I've created is, From NVC, I've taken things and tried to make it as simple as possible so that people don't have such a long and difficult learning curve as I I experienced with NVC.
1: Perfect. So, yeah, this is a perfect segue then to talk about community because community is so important for our basic needs and our Western culture. We're, for the most part, very isolated in our separate little boxes and we have to get in a car and drive through heinous traffic to go connect with community and um, community is also super important for people practicing alternative relationship styles because we don't have a, a book to follow. So there's a lot of books out there, but we don't have a rule book that we grew up <laughs> with. So we, it's so important, so important to go out and be with other people that are practicing different styles and to not feel like you're all alone. So please tell us more about what you're doing with community.
0: Absolutely, uh, Sumati. And, and, and this is exactly what I found. When I talk about systems, when you start working on your relationship stuff, it's connected to everything else in your life. And you can't just say, I'm going to do relationships differently. You know, if, if all of a sudden I'm in my, my stringent religious environment and I say, now we're going to have a multiple connection relating, you know, I'm not going to be able to do that. Everything's connected in our life. And so that's. you're you asked me a little bit about what are you doing now or why is it you know why are you losing this focus and the problem is everything's connected so in in order to handle anything whether it's finances or love or health you're gonna touch everything else so you have to kind of become a bit of a generalist and that's what led Mm -hmm. me to to the community and and I can just go through um, the human needs. That, the list is just subsistence, protection, affection, understanding, participation, leisure, creation, identity, and freedom. And, and there's a lot to say about all those. But that you can find out on Wikipedia. It will have the link. But yeah, because I found everything was connected, I said, okay, now I have, you know, even if I have the perfect lover and we have the perfect agreement. How, how are we going to respond in the wider community? How do we connect to others? Do we have to hide? Do we have to be in some little city in southern Utah where no one knows we're doing what we're doing? Or is there the possibility to connect? And so um, I came back to America after 15 years in Europe at about that time. And I visited a place called Ghanas, um, which is in New York City. I think it's the longest, one of the longest non-spiritual, um, non-religiously based, let's say, uh, intentional communities um, in New York City. Um, I looked at Morehouse. I uh, talked to and listened to people from Tamara, which I think you're familiar with also.
1: Um, yes, in Portugal, right?
0: One Taste and... Right, exactly. And all of these different, different places that deal with relationships and talk about them in alternative ways and um, really have created a map of, for myself, what could community look like, what should community look like, and that's, and that's com- complex and maybe outside the, the, the scope of what we're talking about now. But I, I think that you and I are experiencing a time where everyone is going to find their tribes that work for them, or multiple tribes that work for them with different rules and different values, and that we're going to have a return to community and the reason... Absolutely. The, Sorry,
1: I was just going to butt in here for a second and say that there's an article that's been going around on the Internet for a while um, where they've discovered the, the uh, cure for addiction, drug addiction, alcoholism, is not what you think. It's connection and community. And that's the reason why AA works so well because it, it's very, very community-based,
0: Awesome. Yeah, exactly. Um, I look at addiction, I look at compulsions much differently since I've studied NBC and since I've studied uh, compassionate communication, all of these topics. Right now, we live in a world where there's more single households than ever before, more people living alone than ever before. They may have more money, but they have fewer connections, less community, um, uh, more single people. And, and, Yeah, when we when we are we are one of our needs is participation, connection, and if that's not getting met in a broader way, there's all sorts of ways that we try to compensate. And so, figuring out how to create that connection and that community and that tribe is, I think, just as important as figuring out your love style or how you want to be open.
1: Right. So how do you work with clients now that you've kind of come full circle and realized? Because when I first met you, you were more of a business coach, I think, um, helping people who were themselves sexuality coaches, and you were helping them to be able to promote their businesses. Um, and you seem to have come full circle now where you're more of a spiritual teacher or just a general guide. Um, so how, how do you work with clients nowadays?
0: Well, you know, here's my life. I'm a weird person, and I do, different, do things differently. But the way I do things is I go around, and I learn something. And after a while, I start to share it. And then I go to something else. And then I'll come back to that thir- first thing and go deeper. And so what you experienced is when I showed up in the Bay Area, in in Germany and in Austria when I was working, I was basically teaching Tantra, working with relationships. And I, and I knew the little bit I knew about Tantra, but um, not – And you know, I hadn't been doing very much, but I was doing well, and I was having clients. But when I came to the Bay Area, and that was that felt like a divinely guided thing. I wasn't planning on it, but I just sort of landed in San Francisco one day with two suitcases and uh, no place to live, and figured it out, and stayed there for almost five years. When I came to the Bay Area, there was so much happening in these areas. It, It felt like there were so many names, there were so many teachers, there were so many people sharing that I didn't know how to get attention. I didn't know how to connect to people and start uh, having clients and making enough money to live in this very expensive area. And so I started learning the business and marketing stuff, and as is my um, habit and what happens when I start learning something, I start sharing it and seeing who else needs it. And so I really dove in deeply to that for a few years to understand, okay, how do we communicate about this stuff? in a way that people see the value in their lives and that they see the investment and time and energy required and that they actually spend that and come and have this transformation that is so valuable that we're excited about. But that doesn't answer your question, Mm -hmm. but I I can answer your question right now. And the, the answer to the question now is, I've been trying to find, how do we give these answers and allow these Um, or enable these researches and depths of jumping in and transformation that people are looking for without it needing to cost thousands of dollars with a one-on-one coach because if you're working one-on-one, you have to take a certain amount of money to have a life and a lifestyle. Um, and, And so I've developed a system where, Uh, For as little as $24 a month, people can have access to everything I've ever learned and uh, a few minutes of my time to talk and and get information. I use a messaging system for that. And um, then they're able to go at their own speed and figure out this stuff and have the transformation. That might take months or years to just be honest about it and do it in community. So, you know, I'm working with those things right now, and they seem to be working well, and, and I'm excited about how that happens
1: beautiful. So I want to ask you um, did you ever get to have four lovers at once?
0: <laughs> <laughs> I got to three and three was pretty pretty impressive. <laughs> um, and I would say now, I mean the way thi- the, the way things are now um, and pretty pretty fun, but the way things are now, man, the the way I interact and the way I connect to people, I I it, it's in so many levels and in so many layers. I mean, there's a lot of energetics happening with me now um, that, you know, you can either say I always have that or I never do (laughs) depending on how you want to decide.
1: Beautiful. Beautiful. Thank you. Well, Ryan, I want to thank you so much for your transparency and your vulnerability and sharing your story with us. I'm really inspired by you and all that you've been through and, and the systems you've created from your own mistakes. And I'm really excited about what you're creating where it's kind of a monthly membership type thing where people can um, participate at whatever level they can afford. And you are so good at creating systems and creating um, material for people to consume that you found a way to put that all in one place for people to draw whatever parts they need for their journey I believe you're really focusing on people going at their own pace as well, right?
0: Well, yeah, because, you know, I to be honest, I've been in a bunch of programs where they say, "Give me $2,000 and in 8 months you'll be an expert at could be anything, relationships, sexuality, internet marketing, whatever." And the truth is any true transformation or learning takes a lot longer than that, you know, and, and, and they assume that you're going to be able to do it full-time. I, try, I tried a men's program last year, and the program was going to be pretty expensive, a couple thousand dollars. And what I noticed are, is most pe- men who have jobs and they're working and they're busy, I have really quit my job nine years ago, and I've done this full-time since then. And very few people can do that. So my expectations for them were pretty high. And then I realized how little time people have, And I said, I have to create something that enables them to go at their own speed and learn one simple thing at a time and practice it for a few weeks and then continue. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. So
1: you have material for people who want to learn how to build their businesses as well as for people that want better relationships, um, better spiritual connection, um, kind of just about everything in life. Is that true?
0: You know, it's the stuff about life that I didn't get any answers or really effective training for when I was when I was growing up. It's what I wish I would have gotten. Um, so yeah, those are those are the things that I'm, well, I know the word seems not so <laughs> a little bit strange here, but focusing on. But yeah, for me, spirituality is something that calls to me over and over. Uh, God is always there. And I always end up coming back when things get tough or I lose my way and say, oh, that's That's the core. That's the foundation for me. And so I teach a lot and share about that. I also share about emotional healing because unless we become emotionally healed ourselves, it gets really hard to interact with others. So all of that I put out. That's available for free, all all of those levels and all that content. And then uh, relationships and sexuality is the next thing. And then, yes, I'm passionate about helping people who work with people on relationships and sexuality and i share everything i know everything i learn, and help them also on their journey so those are the main focuses right now and there's more after that but that's enough
1: yeah and i remember a couple years ago you saying to me something like i've pretty much mastered internet marketing and i thought wow that's quite a statement to to own that and claim that you've mastered internet marketing so i was very impressed with that
0: Well, that sounds funny, and and I'm I'm sure I wouldn't say that now, but, like, the basics, the principles of understanding how to connect to people. I mean, I understand if I have a marketing program or a coaching program, I understand the process of lead generation and then um, filtering and then lead conversion, delivering. Like, I understand all of that. I understand the basics of that. I spent a few years doing it. I did it for other people, and I know how it works. Um, that, that's what I mean. And, and really, once you understand the principles behind any given area of human activity, then the specifics are just a new tool, a new technology, and, and that's not that difficult to learn. But to learn those basics, you have to put in your hours, you have to take your time, and uh, yeah.
1: And go at your own pace, of course.
0: Yeah, and sometimes it takes I mean, I, I say it takes me two to three years to learn a new thing. And basically everything that I'm teaching now I've been doing at least three years plus. So those are the things that I feel okay sharing about and helping people with. And also realizing that a lot of the answers are inside us. The thing that I'm doing now, uh, it's not anything anyone taught me. The way I'm presenting it, I think this is the first time it's been done this way, period. I'm just going to say that. But the way it came about was me going deeper and deeper inside and listening to who I was. And so I'm I'm more about encouraging people to follow their, their voice and develop their their virtues and their, and their courage and their strengths and their, um, their love and compassion and just letting that show, that is going to be the thing that gives you success in, in every level. And the techniques and the technologies, they give you a context to talk about it. So really, this, this life is about becoming yourself and becoming your best self, and only you know how that is. So I want us to be in community and have friends and then support that process. And, and that's more and more where I feel myself called at the moment.
1: Beautiful. It took us almost a whole hour to get to that distillation, but that was my favorite thing that you said the whole time.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. Thank so you. why
1: don't, why don't we take this opportunity for you to, to take a couple minutes to let people know how they can find you if they're interested in working with you. And I believe you said you have programs starting as low as $24 a month. And um, also I believe you have uh, a gift for our listeners.
0: Absolutely. I really appreciate um, if you've listened to this and I appreciate uh, Sumati for inviting me and um, just look for Ryan Orock; It's a very unusual name. Uh, so Ryan Orock, uh, o Just Google that. You find my website. Just, uh, you can find more information about me there. And as far as the gift, I've created a page, Ryan Oroch slash free, And if you listen to this and you go sign up under ryanorock.com slash free, then you'll find you'll receive a free coupon to my Perfect Relating System, which is my sort of my version of uh, nonviolent communication and some other stuff thrown in there, non-duality and meditation and things to to help us have better relationships. And you just get a free coupon to it. Um, I think it's listed at $200 on Udemy right now, which is an online learning platform. But you'll just get that. And then if you want to dive in deeper uh, after you uh, get on, just put in your email there, you're going to find more information coming to you about all the rest of the stuff that's going on, including the monthly programs or working with me one-on-one, which is still possible, but not, not, not as much. Not as many people are participating in that now. So thank you very much.
1: Beautiful. Thank you so much for that generous offer. And I uh, hope everybody will go to your website and see what you're offering because it's it's very unique and, and just full of so much content so and you, you clearly have the the wisdom and the systems for delivering it to other people. So thank you so much for being on the show, Ryan. I hope you'll come back uh, in the future when maybe you have some some other iteration of your work. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Thank you so much for taking this time. I really appreciate spending time with you, and this has been really neat.
1: Okay, Ryan, good luck to you. I'll talk to you soon.
0: All right, take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring.
1: Laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh?